2: I hope you're enjoying your day today, whatever it is you're doing and wherever you are. I want to do a few things on our time together today. I'll start off with some news, followed by a couple of stories sent in by listeners. I want this to be a heartwarming episode I'm recording this going into our holiday time, which, as you know, when you have a loved one who has passed, can be a very difficult time. In fact, any birthday, any anniversary, Christmas, etc., when we don't have them physically with us, it is almost automatic that grief reignites. There are some very kind people in our Facebook group that have posted things that they do to remember and celebrate holidays with their loved one, even though that they have passed. If you're not yet part of our Facebook group, please come join us. There's almost 7,000 people that speak this same language, interested in evidence of the afterlife, looking for comfort through grief, and then of course, Once we realize who we really are, souls having a human experience, help and empowerment to make each day special, each day count, and live a great life. You can find our Facebook group. Simply go to wedontdie.com, click on the top of the page, and there is Facebook group. I am open for feedback and suggestions. One thing I want to keep in mind for all is what's in my heart and why I do this is because I know each and every one of us experiences grief. You may be going through it right now. I want to make sure not only to give good evidence of the afterlife, but anything that we can do to help make your day a little brighter. So I love hearing your stories. And you don't need to be an author of a book or some famous speaker. Each and every one of us may have some sort of Sign or something that you've received from your loved one so that you know that they are still around. At the end of this episode, I want to include some of the bits of advice from fellow listeners about living life and celebrating without our loved ones physically with us. And also over the next few weeks, like I said, we are going into the holiday period. So if I can give you a little extra. Maybe a few extra goosebumps with some of these stories. I want to do that. So first, I got an email from Naveen, who says, my wife and I recently found your podcast and love it. Thank you for your time and efforts. He says, I want to share an experience I had with our eldest son when he was about five years old. Now, he had a very difficult birth and needed a blood transfusion to survive. He came out of all of this, but not without neurological issues and heavy ADD. Nevertheless, after finishing reading him one of his storybooks one evening, he looked at me from his bed, stared at me, and asked in a very inquisitive tone, Dad, what is God? Well, my jaw dropped open. And I had no idea where that question came from because we had not discussed any religious or spiritual concepts with him, given his age and that he barely started speaking when he was five years old. So I fumbled for an answer saying things like, God is in everything, and God is in the trees and flowers, and so forth. Finally, I was about to tell him, go ask your mother when he interrupted my feeble explanation and loudly getting my attention saying, Daddy, and then looking straight into my eyes, he said, Daddy, God is. He just is. After a few seconds of my stunned silence, he became relaxed and went back to asking me to read him another book. I relayed the incident to my wife immediately. And of course, there were no explanations I have never forgotten that moment. Our son is now 34 years old and does not recall the event. If you remember just two episodes ago, the theme was about children's pre-birth memories. Gave a lot of people goosebumps. We go to an afterlife, but it only makes sense that there's a before life and kids, young kids, say the most incredible things to their parents. So check that out if you haven't already. There's also a gal named Karen who sent me a story. She says, I have two children who we adopted at birth, and I share that because I have always felt that they are meant to be here. We always felt that there was a greater power at work in placing each of them with us. Too many coincidences along our path to parenthood to ignore. I was rocking my son to sleep one night, he was just nine months old, and he was staring in my eyes. I whispered to him, Nicholas, I love you so much, I'm so grateful that you're my little boy, and then I said to him, do you know how you got here? I was going to say it was through a lot of prayer, but before I could say that, my baby put his whole left arm straight up in the air and pointed, and blurted out, Gog! He wasn't even talking besides Mama and Dada. He is now almost 24, but I have not forgotten that. And later on, when he was about three and a half, I was watching a show that reminded me of my dad who passed away many years before my kids were born. I got a little emotional watching this show and my son came up to me and took my hand and led me to his room. He said, lay down with me, Mommy. So I did. He proceeded to tell me that my dad loved to golf, that he loved the Buffalo Bills football team, that he was funny and he is at grandma's right now. I hadn't ever told my son these things just because he was too young to discuss my dad with. I told him that my daddy isn't here anymore, but he repeated, he is at grandma's. I said, what do you mean? And he got off the bed and jumped into a squat position on the floor and patting the ground, he said, Grandpa comes down all the time and checks on Grandma. He is there now. I was absolutely dumbfounded and will never forget that. Sandra, I know you have heard so many stories like this, but when it happens to you, it is amazing and definitely gives me comfort that there is a life after this one. I will also add that at the time, my mom had been experiencing some strange goings-on at her house that were impossible to explain. No doubt, it was my dad there. Thanks for letting me ramble. Your podcast just brought back all these memories. Oh, thank you, Karen. Happy memories are so good. I was talking to a friend earlier today, and it's interesting because our human minds have this way of taking very special things and turning them into no big deal. Eh, It's no big deal. I don't know about you, but have you witnessed just some beautiful things? Maybe it was meeting your significant other. Maybe it was a wedding Maybe it was the birth of your child. Maybe it was graduating from college. Maybe it was a vacation and there you were with your beloved and saw a beautiful sunrise or sunset or experienced something wonderful. Our human minds are so busy looking forward in fear and what might be coming than being present and also remembering the good that we've experienced. They also like to make us feel guilty and go over past behaviors and situations over and over and over. Welcome to being human. I say this because I have witnessed miracles, miracles through communication from people, loved ones beyond the veil. I've sat in physical Medium circles where there's no explanation for things flying around the air and the sound of lots of children unwrapping Christmas presents and toys flying around the room when there's no children there. I've heard the most magical stories of near death experiences and received signs that there's no explanation to. I've even had my own miracles. People I know having miraculous healings. And I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when I learned of apports, and that is things that can show up in your house that weren't there, and spirit friends bringing things in, and you're thinking, how did this get here? There are things called apports. I had lost one of my favorite earrings, and I completely demolished my bedroom trying to find it. Then I thought maybe it went down the drain in the bathroom. I went totally berserk trying to find this gold earring. I was traveling, and I took the remaining earring, and I put it in the little side pocket inside my suitcase. I had forgotten about it. The next day, I was thinking, oh, I don't have a pair of earrings to wear, and my heart sank because I remembered my missing or my lost earring. So I decided to open my suitcase and take out the one remaining earring. And when I opened the suitcase and put my hand in to grab the one earring, both earrings were there. That, to me, is a miracle. Call it an app port, I spoke to my spirit friends and said, if there's any way you can work your magic. And they did. Incredible. It is my firm belief that we are divine souls having a human experience. We live within a mind that convinces us that things are no big deal, but miracles are possible. In the afterlife, we communicate with our thoughts. We create with our thoughts. I think the same thing holds true here if we only remember who we are. We're going to go into the break, and when we come back, we're going to hear some heartwarming stories. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Time flies. In a blink, 2024 is halfway over. What's something you've accomplished this year that you're proud of? Maybe you made it out of bed and to work every day. Or maybe you started shedding some old habits that were weighing you down. But even when you're making progress, life can feel like it's moving too fast. No one can slow time down, but therapy can give you a moment every week to hit pause, set intentions, and reset. Therapy is a guaranteed time to check in on how you're feeling, what you want to do more of, and what you want to change. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. You can start the sign-up process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Take a moment with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com shades today to get 10% off your first month. That's hel slash shades.
2: High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at highfivecasino.com Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and I'd like to share some stories with you, heartwarming stories that just give you that, oh, feeling. This one's from Janine. Maybe I was wrong for not going back this time, but my mother had been dying for nine years. When we first learned of her disease, she'd been given nine months to live. I lived 3,000 miles away and had a young family. How many times over these nine years had I received the same phone call? Your mother is in the hospital. You need to come home immediately if you want to see her again. In the beginning, I'd fly back as often as I could. I'd stand at her bedside crying and willing myself to let her go. Each time I'd leave, I was certain that this was our last goodbye. When my mother moved in with my brother and his family, I felt a huge relief. Now they'd take care of her, and I wouldn't have to go back so often. Calloused as it may sound, I'd grown to dread those visits. The repeated goodbyes were tearing me apart. With my mother's 66th birthday coming up, I took a friend's advice to go see her. I decided my visit would be the perfect gift. She was frailer than I'd ever seen her, and during my visit, we rushed her to the emergency room. A too familiar experience. By now, she was worn out from the disease that had ravaged her body. She seemed ready to face death, but was I willing to let her go? Inwardly, I sighed in relief when the doctor released her to return to the assisted living home. After a two week visit and one more goodbye, I returned to my family in California. Six weeks later, my uncle called. Your mom is back in the hospital. If you want to see her alive, you need to come right away. My brother was with her, and with my recent visit, I decided not to go. Besides, she had told me not to rush back. You need to take care of your own family and your health, she said. And I knew she'd rebound, like all the other times over the last nine years. I went about my normal routine, but I was uneasy. Had I made the right decision? What if she really was dying? I needed my mother's reassurance. One week after she'd been admitted to the hospital, I felt compelled to stop everything I was doing and pray for her. Not the prayers I'd been praying over nine years, but a different kind of prayer. Something seemed to say, you need to pray for your mother's transition from this life into eternity. It's time. Shutting the door to my bedroom, I fell to my knees I saw myself standing next to her bed, holding her hand. Through my prayers, I was there with her. A presence filled my bedroom, and a warm sense of peace settled over me. Lord, I prayed, I ask you to release my mother from her pain and her earthly body. Please fill that hospital room with your ministering angels and allow her to feel your presence. When the prayers felt complete, I said, It's okay to go, Mom. I love you so very much. For a brief moment, I felt my mother's spirit with me, assuring me that she loved me and understood. Then she was gone. I picked up the phone and called my mother's hospital room. My brother answered, and the first thing he said was, She's gone. When, I asked. Just minutes ago, he answered. I wanted to say, I know, but I didn't. Tears started to flow, but I knew I'd be okay. I was allowed to be with my mother from a distance and have this one final goodbye. I knew I wouldn't sink into a bottomless pit of despair as I had feared. I hoped she'd seen angels, heard celestial music, and died with a youthful glow on her face. Standing in my bedroom, I said one last time, I love you, Mom. Goodbye. Have you heard of a shared death experience? An example would be the story that I just read to you. Someone is somewhere else and knows when their loved one passes. There have also been times where people by the side of their loved one as they're passing, their loved one might see an angel or a loved one who has died. No one dies alone. Everyone has a greeter or more that helps you cross the threshold. Well, in a shared death experience, someone sitting by the bedside can actually witness at the same time the things that the person dying is experiencing. William Peters wrote a book on shared crossings and also has the website sharedcrossing.com. He's worked with Dr. Raymond Moody, who coined the phrase near-death experience, to really share what these shared crossings are. And he trains people and trains therapists how to teach this so that we human beings, whether it's for us being prepared for when we take our last breath, or if we are with someone who may have a outlook of being near death, we know how to be with them. Not one of us wants to think that we will ever end. And the good news is we don't end. Death is like buying a new car. At some point, the old car, which is our body, it gives out. But the driver, that's us. We remain. And we just step into our new heavenly body. And we can pick whatever age, whatever health, maybe a new hairstyle (laughs) that we like. Okay, here's the next story. And this story is by Judy Ann. I'm not a person who puts too much faith in dreams. I always seem to find a logical explanation for them. However, something happened that made me realize the things that happened to us in our dreams could be from loved ones who have passed away. It happened when things were at an all-time low for us. We had just become homeless months before and we were finally able to save enough money to get back into a house. My husband had not found work, and we had no money. Many times I went to the dumpsters in the back of grocery stores to find thrown away food for my family. It was really a dark time. I wanted to give up and throw in the towel. It was really hard to see how things could improve. When you're eating from garbage cans, it's hard to stay positive. However, I do have a faith in God, And remember the Bible telling me to stay strong even in difficult times. We were living in Oregon in a two-bedroom house with six children and no utilities. With no running water, I had to get water in a bucket from a neighbor's house. I needed $150 as a deposit to turn on the water and lights, but I just could not come up with the money. I felt as if I was at the end of my ropes, and I didn't know what to do. "'That night I had a very strange dream. "'In the distance, I saw a campfire "'with men sitting around it. "'And as I walked closer, I saw tents and horses as well. "'It looked like they were soldiers in the Civil War. "'All of the men wore uniforms that fit that time period. "'The men were looking down at the fire "'as I walked up to them. "'Then one man looked up at me and smiled. "'He had a very big smile.' and he acted as if he knew me. I just stared at him. He had a pleasant face, but he looked tired. We looked at one another for a moment or two before he spoke. Take a walk in the park, he said. His voice was strong. What did you say? I asked. He repeated, take a walk in the park. Who are you? Parkhurst, he said. I am called Parkhurst. It is a family name and he laughed. I woke up and remembered every detail of the dream. The next morning I walked to the store to return some bottles for the deposit, and right next to the store was a little park off to the side. I froze as I stared at it and recalled my dream. I walked away into the store. As I headed home, Parkhurst's words came to me. I turned around and went back to the park. I did not see anyone in the park, so I started on the walking trail. Around the corner, I saw a woman jogging toward me, so I moved over to pass for her. I kept walking and looking for some reason I was there, but found none. Then someone touched me on my back, and I turned to see the jogger. Hello, she said. You must be the one. I don't understand, I told her. I dreamt last night that someone needed some money. And I handed it to them at a park, she said. My mouth fell open, but I did not say a word. She handed me an envelope and said, bless you. And off she went. I yelled, thank you. I opened the envelope and there was exactly $150. I then had to sit down. I went over and over in my mind what had happened. Prayers definitely work. And I couldn't believe it for nothing like this had ever happened to me. Now listen to this. It was not until 20 years later, when I took up genealogy, I discovered a man named Parkhurst Sherlock, who served in the Civil War. He was a sergeant, and I could not believe what I was reading. He was my great-great-grandfather. As I did more research, I found a photo tintype of Parkhurst Sherlock, It was, without a doubt, the man in my dream. I had come face to face with my great-grandfather. Dreams definitely have the power to transform. Here's a story from Louise. It had been several sad and lonely months since my three-month-old son, Travis, had died from congenital heart disease. I was so angry. There was just one problem. My four-year-old son, Aaron, missed his brother dearly and would ask me things like, Mommy, what's heaven like? And Mommy, can I go to heaven and see Travis? That night when I slept, I heard a voice speak to me, Louise, Travis is with you. Then to my amazement, I felt the weight of my baby son placed against my breast. It could almost feel his soft baby hair brush against my cheek. I lay absolutely still and heard the gentle whisper, Travis is okay. When I awoke the next morning, my bitterness and anger were gone. I still miss my son terribly, and I had no explanation as to why he was taken. I am convinced that dream is real and that Travis lives on. We'll be right back. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: High Five Casino.com! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Word prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High
2: Five Casino. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain with some heartwarming stories for you. This one is from Laura. After a short run outside, I started to give my dad a little report, as he called it, on how things were going in my life. I sat down on the only dry spot, his headstone, longing for this to be more than a one-sided conversation. It was exactly one year after dad passed away I looked out over the clouded valley, recalling his two-year battle with brain cancer. I hope I can come see you after I've passed on, Dad told me during one of our last conversations before the tumor inhibited his speech entirely. I hope I can come see how you're doing and give you a little report on what I'm doing. I desperately wanted that visit now, and I had the faith that it was possible. Nineteen was too young to lose a father. And one year seemed so long. One year without seeing my dad, one of my best friends. I even said a little prayer and asked God to let me see him. I just wish you could come and see me again, Dad, I whispered after my prayer. I sat and I sat, exercising all the faith I knew how. I waited for what felt like forever until I finally accepted a hard, cold fact. He wasn't coming. Yet as I stood to leave, I heard a man's voice. I looked up to see someone walking through the empty cemetery toward me, someone I had never seen before. This looks like a special day for you, he said. We both looked down at the headstone, which stated that my dad's date of death was exactly one year ago. Yes, it is, I replied. Not sure what else to say to the stranger who had so unexpectedly shown up. He stood in silence for a moment before continuing. I was driving by and when I saw you here in the cemetery, something touched my heart. You see, I've learned throughout my life that when spirit tells you to stop, you don't just keep on driving. I hope I haven't intruded on any special moment for you, but spirit told me to stop and tell you hi from dad. I assured him of my appreciation before he got back into his car, and as I jogged back home, I couldn't stop the tears from falling. I hadn't seen my dad, but someone had heard my prayer, and he loved me enough to send this timely message of comfort from dad. This story reminds me of a man that I know named Ben, who didn't believe in the afterlife. And after his father died, a complete stranger came up to him and said, I have a message from your father. He hid the gold in the fireplace behind one of the bricks. And sure enough, Ben went home, and there was a bunch of gold behind a brick in the fireplace. These people are what I call Earth Angels. And here is a story from Linda. It had been three years since the loss of my husband. To him, it was cancer. To me, it was a heart ectomy. I thought I was getting on with my life. I had tried dating. I had met new friends who were older and single, like me. I joined Toastmasters. In fact, I even won an award for being the most inspirational speaker. But in truth, I was a fraud. I knew I was a fraud when I went to hang up that award on the wall in the hall. The hallway led to the master bedroom, a bedroom I had not entered for three years. How could I be an inspiration to someone when I couldn't even sleep in my own bedroom? After Vern passed, I moved into a smaller bedroom off the kitchen. My life changed. I missed him just as much every single day. But I was learning to live with that loss as one learns to live with the amputation of a limb. The living part was getting easier. The loss part was not. I cried so much that I should not have been able to pee for a month. But once the guest book closed and the people went home, I knew it was time to restock my emotional self. However, it took me three years and I still didn't wanna use the master bedroom. All I did was look down that hall at that closed bedroom door. Eventually, I was determined to move back into the bedroom. I was going to do it. I saw myself as a fraud, and now I was determined to live up to being inspirational. In a demon-like frenzy, I marched down the hall and threw open the door and dusted the furniture. I changed the sheets and began moving my clothes into the closet. With each step I took, I asked for strength. I asked for a sign so that I would know I was moving in the right direction. I felt I was gaining strength even with small steps. Then I realized this was the growing through grief that I needed. But I still wanted a sign. I remember the day my garage door wouldn't open. I had to learn how to open it manually. It was a nuisance that made me late for an appointment. Within a few days, the electricity went off. Guess what? I didn't panic. I already knew how to get that door open. The day that happened, I truly felt like I had arrived. I knew that I was learning lesson after lesson each day of my life. I only needed to be awake and alert enough to learn them. Today, I was opening myself up to another lesson. I was cleaning the bathroom in my master bedroom when it happened. I was throwing out all of the old pills in the medicine cabinet. I opened a small container that contained my allergy medication and saw my Mikimoto pearl ring. This ring had been missing since before my husband had died. Vern made jewelry, and he was a perfectionist. Prior to his last stint in the hospital, I had lost a pearl from that ring. He said it was no problem. As soon as he could, he would get a matched pearl and set it for me. The problem was is that he never made it out of the hospital. He never got to search for a pearl. And he did not tell me where he had put the ring. I had torn the house apart looking for it. My sister Marilyn had helped me search. We had checked the linings of the drapes, his jackets, everywhere. We thought he might have put it before going into the hospital the last time. We had finally given up. Finding the ring was the sign. It was the sign that I was doing the right thing. I was in tears when I called my sister. I explained that I was moving back into my bedroom. She heard my tears and immediately suggested, maybe this was too soon. No, sis, it's not too soon. You will never guess what I found. What? The pearl ring. No way. We searched that room from top to bottom, she replied. And you will never guess. Remember the pearl was missing? The one I wanted Vern to match? Yes, she said. Well, the ring is perfect. No pearls are missing. They are all there. I can't even remember which one was missing. The ring is perfect, just like new. My grief was not eased at once by moving back into the master bedroom, but I slept well that night, knowing that loved ones are by our side, and all I have to do is ask. Next, a lot of people are looking for signs from their loved ones and some ask for change, pennies, dimes, nickels, quarters, etc. Could they be messages from our loved one or just coincidences? Listen to this from Shelley. It all began one Friday when I was at lunch with one of my coworkers. I had just sat down at the table when my cell phone rang. It was my mom. David is dead. What? I said, "David is dead? What happened?" Mom didn't know, but the coroner's office had just left the house. I prayed to David to just send me a penny from heaven to let me know that he was okay. My husband drove me to my parents' house. The pastor was there comforting my parents. We still didn't know the actual cause of death. Later that evening, my cousin had broken the news that David had shot himself. Of course, everyone started to blame themselves but we knew that David was depressed and all felt bad that we failed to help him. On Saturday, I cleaned and vacuumed my parents' van just to do something. My parents didn't drive a ride in this vehicle the entire weekend. I kept asking for a sign, leave me a penny. A lot of friends and relatives were at the service and I have no idea why we chose the pew that we did, but looking into the corner of it, I saw a small prayer book and picked it up. To my surprise, just beneath the book, there were two pennies. My sister Carrie called me the next morning. You'll never believe what happened, she said. Carrie told me she went home Monday night and asked for a penny. She found a penny on the floor of her second bathroom. My mother drove their van a day or two after the funeral. Now, after I cleaned the van, She called to tell me that there was a penny stuck to the carpet in a wide open area. After the funeral, I took six roses off the gravesite and brought them back to my mother. I grabbed a vase from the mantle and took it to the kitchen to fill it with water. When I returned the vase back to the mantle, in the space where the vase was, was a penny. A few days after the funeral... My husband called me at work and told me he had a penny story. He was walking barefoot in the kitchen and kept hearing cling, cling, cling on the bottom of his foot. He said he couldn't feel anything but rubbed the bottom of his foot and a penny dropped to the floor. While I was on the phone with Ken, I was looking at some change on the desk. I was thinking to myself that when I get off the phone, I would see if one of those pennies said 1974, the year David was born. The penny I picked up first was dated 1974. There is no doubt in my mind that David is in heaven and sending me pennies. That is a perfect example of asking for something specific and then paying attention. Here in the United States, since COVID hit, we have a national change emergency. So there aren't too many penny dimes, nickels, and quarters floating around. So if you pick change as a sign from your loved one, really be on the lookout because there's not too much change around. A lot of these stories deal with prayer. And I don't think it matters what you believe in as far as if there's a God, a divine power, nature, the universe, simply talking with a sincere request to those beyond the veil, even though you don't know how any of it works, have that sincere prayer in heart and you never know what's possible. So let's go to the break. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain. The holiday times, birthdays, anniversaries can be extremely tough when those you love no longer walk by your side. And yes, it's great to read books and hear stories, listen to podcast episodes, go to a medium, come to our Sunday gathering and witness medium demonstrations. All of that is good, but we still miss them. So I asked people in our Facebook group, how do you deal with the holidays? And I'd like to read to you some of the things that they share. Personally, I've heard it mentioned a lot that people will set a place at their dining room table for their loved one and include them in conversation, just picturing them in the seat because they are there. So this is from Clausina. On my mom's birthday, I buy her her favorite flowers, and talk to her. When it's my dad's birthday, I often take a walk in the forest, which was his favorite pastime, and ask him to show me the birds he liked so much, the blue jay. It's interesting because I've heard it said before, if you purchase a gift or think of purchasing a gift and just spend a quiet moment talking to your loved one, saying this is for you, They get a virtual copy of it. Clausina also mentioned, she says as she walks in the forest, she'll hear her dad whisper the names of some of the birds and plants in her head. Cece says, my husband's birthday is in November. I happen to have a birthday card that I never gave to him. So for the month leading up to his birthday, I'm displaying it next to the picture I have of him on our dresser. Diana says, I bake my husband Dan's yearly birthday pie for him, which is strawberry rhubarb. As I read these, just imagine doing some of these things, but that your loved one is right there. You will not look stupid if you sit with an empty cup across the table from you and have a conversation with your loved one. It is normal. It is natural. And so many people... When they quiet their mind, they hear the response from their loved one. Trust that it is them. Morag says this. I send flowers to my mother by imagining the bouquet as if ordering them from a florist. I know it arrives safely. I have also written a letter to my late husband, and then I set it on fire, releasing it to the ether. Maggie celebrates with a glass of champagne, raising it to her loved one. Lisa says, It would have been our dad's 80th birthday, so we threw a family Zoom party with homemade party hats, cake, and games. Suzette says, I go to his grave and clean the stone and decorate. I have a little talk and cry a few tears. I drive the car we rode together in and listen to the last CD he put into my CD player. Cheryl says, We have a birthday party for my boys. One in October and one in February. Beautiful. Jane shares, We have eaten shrimp on grandma's birthday for 30 years. Shrimp was her favorite food and she passed away 30 years ago. Deegan said, You can do anything you feel they would have loved to do. Great advice. You do it and imagine them being right by your side. Because they are. And this Jane says, I find a charity, but usually one pops up that catches my eye, and I make a donation in my mom's name. Oh, and a gin and tonic to wish her a happy, heavenly birthday. Kristen says, On Christmas Day, we light candles just before we open presents. First year after Dad moved to the Higher Plains, I purchased some of those ritual candles in a bunch of colors. All the colors have meaning when you burn them, and I had a list with me. I told my kids, two are young adults and two teens, to pick a candle that means something to you or your relationship with dad. I told them there's a meaning to the colors if they want me to share, but none of them did. We lit five colored candles and I lit one for my late husband. They burned as we opened presents and a little longer. The one for dad burned the longest. I wasn't sure what the kids thought of it because they're not woo-woo like me. I liked it though. I forgot where I put the candles and their little holders by the next year and asked a couple of my kids, should I do that again? And they were like, yes. (laughs) We've done this three years in a row and every time dad's candle burns the slowest. Adrian says, with my son Brett's favorites, favorite food, favorite people, favorite alcohol shots, I don't usually drink, and then we burn it down the way he would expect us to. Sounds like a great party. Anne says, I set a place for them at my dinner table, talk with them, express my gratitude for them, and sing happy birthday. Christine says, This year for his birthday, I poured my dad some Jameson's whiskey, gave him a chocolate Halloween cupcake, and bought him a gift of a motion detector light that he can play with when we move to our new house. He loves turning lights on and off. And yeah, why not? You know, if we ask a loved one for a sign and they're not there immediately to do it, we may forget. But give them a couple of weeks. Talk to them. What's the experience for them? Let them know what the experience is for you. I don't think we get all the knowledge in the universe when we transition. So be patient. Someone might not be able to turn on the lights, but they may be able to do something else. Erica says, on Brandon's birthday, we go to Taco Bell and drop $210. He was 21. He used to always treat friends to lunch there because it was what he could afford. Then we get our own lunches and lunch for Chester, the dog. We also wear mustaches because Brandon was very proud of his mustache and post pictures. Family and friends from all over the world have tacos on Brandon Day and they post about it. My sister does random acts of kindness on this day as well. We also wear shirts from the the out-of-the-darkness walk we did a few years ago from Brandon's racing team. He would want us to celebrate his birthday in this way. No sadness, only fun. And if you can bring that fun to strangers, even better. Margaret says, we eat their favorite meal and cake. We talk about the favorite memories we had together. Donna says, every birthday I buy Renee fake flowers or teddy bears every anniversary and birthday since 2004. Every year, I light a candle and leave her a glass of Coke beside her photo. Renee was 11 years old. Love you, Mummy's girl. As more responses come in, I'll be sure to share with you in the upcoming weeks. Now I want to read you a poem. This is called A Love Letter from Those Who Have Passed On by Talia Hunter. Take the love you have for me and radiate it outwards, allowing it to touch and impact others. Take the memory you have of me and use it as a source of inspiration to live fully, meaningfully, and intentionally. Take the image you have of me in your mind and allow it to fuel you, to take action, seize the day, and be reminded of what is most important in life. Take the care you have for me and let it remind you to care for yourself fully and shower yourself with your own love and take the pain and grief you feel following my loss and alchemize it into love, compassion, and beauty. Build a castle from the wreckage of my passing and allow it to unlock your greatness and potential and empower you to become more than you ever thought you were capable of being. And know that I can never truly leave you and will always remain beside you, watching over you in spirit, and that the love I have for you lives on through the connections you form, the kindness and compassion you share, and the future relationships and friendships you cultivate. And until we are one day reunited... I will remain with you through the storms and chaos of life and am always beside you, walking with you, laughing with you, crying with you, and smiling with you. And I am proud of you for being strong. And I am proud of you for being brave. And I am proud of you for being you. Beautiful. Someday, my friend we will pass into that great unseen world. And we will know the difficulties of turning off and on the lights and leaving signs for our loved one. We will be there doing everything we can with our thoughts to imprint images and messages into our loved one's minds. But we know how hard it is to be human, how hard it is to slow the mind down. How easy it is to think things are just our imagination. Our loved ones live in a place with no time or space. So for us, it may seem like 30 years till we see them again. For them, it is just the blink of an eye. You know how they say, put a smile on your face and in 30 seconds you'll be happy? Or act as if you already have that thing that you desire. My request is that you act as if your loved one is with you. They are, they love you, and you will see them again. With that, our home base is WeDon'tDie.com. Click on the tab on the top that says Facebook group. Come join us. Let us know what you do to celebrate your loved one, what signs you've received, and if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on Shades of the Afterlife. This is not my show. This is our show. And of course, you're always welcome to join our free Sunday gathering and see mediumship in action. Maybe your loved one will come through. But even if not, you'll get inspiration beyond belief. With that, a long distance hug and thank you for listening to shades of the afterlife on the iHeartRadio radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network
3: Thanks
0: for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Make sure and check out all our shows on the iHeartRadio app or by going to iHeartRadio.com. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com.
1: I won! Yahoo! put down your phone this is the army sort high five casino is a social casino it's on your phone goes wherever you go i win three spins cash prizes free daily rewards over 1200 games i want again platoon present cell phone high five high five casino Casino. win at high five casino high five casino is a social casino no purchase necessary void were prohibited play responsibly conditions apply see website for details
3: high five casino